Welcome back to the Conduct Detrimental Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dan Worley. I'm joined by Dan Wallach. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dan. Uh, you know, Happy Sunday. I guess we're recording on Sunday, and uh, we have a special guest today. Uh, you know, we've been waiting for that next big uh, you know, sports law story to break, and the gift that keeps on giving is James Dolan in Madison Square Garden, a Nick legend, uh, Charles Oakley, uh, got involved in an incident with seven security guards, uh, a little bit of an altercation. And our next guest uh, is probably uh, one of the one of the preeminent uh, writers who has ever covered the National Basketball Association. He was the first national NBA columnist. He received the Kurt Gowdy Media Award in 2009. And before there was Twitter, before there was hoops hype, before there were any internet trade rumors, the Godfather of trade rumors and inside information oh, about the National geez. Basketball League is our next guest, the legendary New York Post columnist Peter Vesey. Peter, welcome to Conduct Detrimental. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. So you're scaring me already. So you, <laughs> you guess it's Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> you guess it's Sunday, huh? Well, let's get that straight before we start. You know, let's, let's try to get the facts here. Yeah, and, we're, we're putting uh, yeah, a lot of pressure I, I hate... on, on on Dan. We're, we're going to put a lot of pressure on Dan Worley to upload this pretty quickly, so you only have eight more hours to you know keep my <laughs> statement truthful. Um, and also, you know, when when uh, somebody starts talking about me dealing in rumors, uh, that that pisses me off immediately because uh, <laughs> rumors rumors are for people that don't know what's going on, and. Uh, People never really, a lot of people didn't understand when you, when you print something that something's going on, so-and-so is talking to so-and-so about so-and-so, and, uh, and it doesn't happen. They, they, they say, well, that was a rumor. No, no, that's what was happening. I didn't say it was going to happen. I told you what was happening. So that doesn't make it a rumor. I knew what was going on. I got the, you know, I got the straight stuff from one of those general managers or, or coaches that was involved in that talk. So, yeah, don't use the word rumors with me. I might hang up. Noted, noted. All right. We're off to a good start here. <laughs> definitely duly noted, Peter. Uh, strike, strike that on the, uh, on the replay. I mean, you have broken more big stories uh, in the NBA than anybody who's ever covered the sport. And, uh, you know, well, I don't know. There we go. We got Wojo, Wojo, who's uh, just killing it the last five years or so. So, I don't know. He might have passed. You might have passed me doing 70. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things pretty, that always impressed pretty me. pretty impressive. He is. He, he yeah, might. but ima- imagine you on Twitter today. I mean, I mean, it's a 24. I mean, yeah. you, were, you were hustling it, you know, seven days a week. But imagine uh, what, you would, what, what, your, what your reporting would have been like on Twitter. You would never have gotten any sleep. You would have been able to report these, uh, you know, facts mm. or what you learned in real time instead of having yeah. to get it in the next day's edition. You know, um, I'll give I'll give Wojo, uh, you know, big ups. There's no question he is he's as wired as I ever was. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not impressed with the fact that, you know, he'll come up with um, with stuff that's going to happen one minute or five minutes before it happens. To me, that's that's counterfeit. You know, so you just have a guy, you know, feeding you something that just happened basically. And, and now, and now they're tipping you off that it's going to happen. And that's, to me, that's like 98% of his stuff. 
you know, you break, you break a big story a day ahead of time that nobody knows about, has no inclination that this is going to happen. That's breaking a story. So I don't, uh, I don't see much of that going on anymore. Who, who else impresses you in the media uh, with how they cover the NBA and the off the field, off the court, uh, year round type of issues that you've become, you know, legendary for? Who, who else do you admire well, in the space? You know, Dan, I don't, I really don't read that much um, what's going on. A lot of, I, I like Mark Stein. I know him pretty well from ESPN. He does a real reputable job and uh, he will, he will break stories a day ahead of time or so. But um, I don't, the only, the only time I read um, stories about the league uh, for the most part is when one of my friends sends me something, you know, they'll send me what a columnist wrote in Philly about Embiid or, uh, you know, somebody who writes, you know, send me something about, uh, you know, columnist from Indiana that did, did something really well. And I got, got one of those today, but, but, um, I don't, I don't go online or read the papers. Uh, I really rarely read the papers anymore. I, I subscribe to the times online and, um, and I, and I'll read that, you know, almost, almost every day, but that's, uh, that's the extent. Um, you know, I hate to admit it, but I never thought that would happen. That I would kind of tire of the, the NBA, but this is the first year I'm not going to the all-star game. I, I was invited by, by Adam Silver, very kind of him, uh, to, to invite me and, you know, take care of my tickets and all that stuff. But this is the first year I said, nah, I don't think so. So I'm not going. Yeah, why why the change of heart on the NBA? Um, I just probably got old, but um, I, I don't like I don't like the way they play. I don't like the way the players play. Of course, you know you gotta you know love certain individuals. You know, just just remarkable. You know what what Harden and, and Westbrook and you know I love Curry, of course, and uh, love Thompson and you know and I have special interest in those guys those last two because I covered their fathers and know their mothers well actually I don't know Curry's mother but I know Thompson's mother really well I knew her before uh, she had the kids when she was you know dating Michael and just got married to Michael so that kind of stuff I, I follow you know but I don't I, this is the first year I haven't really looked at the Warriors I just you know, I, I, I have nothing against Kevin Durant going there. Not at all. I'm all for free agency and having cho- freedom of choice. And I don't buy into the fact that people are on his case about joining a team that's already made uh, a championship team contender or whatever. And no, I <laughs> have big deal. You know, they've been doing it's The only difference, uh, the two Dan's, the only difference, and people get angry about this, about Durant joining a championship team, or you know, or a contender, a runner-up, um, and and the old days when uh, is that the player made the choice this time, and you know, LeBron made it, you know, a couple of years ago, and before that, the players are now making those monumental decisions, where in the old days it was. The general managers making that decision, and the owners. So that's the difference. And and so what? Why why would we be angry at Durant? It, so what if what if uh, what what about when uh, they traded the, the general manager and the owner of the Thunder traded Harden to Houston? You know, 
Yeah. What what was that? That was ridiculous that they gave up him because you know it was a money situation. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And and uh, but but you know the Celtics you're know, trading for uh, Garnett and uh, mm-hmm. and Allen. You know to to join Pierce and making them into a championship team. What so what was what what's the difference? They made that trade. All right. Now, now the players are, and 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 that's really the crux of it. Yeah, Did absolutely. I answer your question? I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> what? It, it, well, I just so, went off. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting. I mean, we we love to hear. I mean, you've been covering the league closely for for years and years, and have seen these different generations of players, and I, and I'm, I'm interested personally in, in sort of like you know that top-level players now, the Durants, the LeBrons, the Currys, I mean, how would these players compare to the players of past generations, whether that's, you know, Julius Serving, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson? I mean, how, how do you see today's game fitting into, uh, or today's top players fitting into those uh, players of the past? Well, you know, I, 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 again, I'm not going to be one of these uh, old guys that talks about uh, the old players being the only ones who can do it. These These players are unbelievable you know the way they can shoot the way they can handle the ball um there's no question about that but the rules have changed now you know they've been changed for quite a while no more hand checking it's way less physical than it used to be um so you put michael jordan into this era and he might average 50 a game you know, especially playing what if he what if he were playing you know the way westbrook is playing you know with a team that you know, has has a uh, few right. people uh, to support him. He'd average fifty a game. I, but but uh, let's just not choose him. I had a, uh, a discussion the other night with uh, Mark Jackson, who I who he's one of the few guys I still stay in touch with, and uh, we we were talking about uh, point guards, and I and I was saying that because uh, I was asked on a on a podcast, who what about Isaiah? You know, where does he stand, Isaiah Thomas? The original Isaiah Thomas. Where does he stand? You know, in your in your uh, list of top point guards. And you know, and I and I my answer was like three. You know, three, four. I can You know, are you counting Westbrook now? You know, are you counting Curry? So anyway, so so I said I told Mark what I said, and he said uh, he's number two. I said really. Wow. I said okay. Wait, hold on. I said it was Magic, and Oscar. Oh no, Oscar, he says Oscar really wasn't a point guard. I said, I said, hold on, Mark. The guy, the guy, he averaged a triple double almost four years. Almost four years, he averaged a triple double. What, what were those assists? Well, you know, he just handled the ball a lot. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, he was a point guard though. He was a point guard. So you're telling me Isaiah Thomas was better than Oscar Robertson? So, so he says, well, you know, Oscar can only dribble with his right. <laughs> said, You're right. He he only he only could dribble. He only, he could go left maybe one or two dribbles. But yeah, he, he I said, name me one person back in the day, Lenny Wilkins, Pavelcheck, uh, Jerry West, who could dribble with their offhand. Name me somebody. That's the way it was done back then. Does, does that make them a worse player because they didn't dribble with both hands back then? Put them in today's era. Bring them, bring them forward. You think they wouldn't learn to deal with their left hand or their other hand, their off hand? Come on now, Mark. <laughs> Put this on television. Let's argue about this. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it was, it was interesting, though. You know, it was interesting, and uh, you know, a little perspective there. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I want to talk about Julius Irving. You mentioned him earlier, um, you know, a few minutes ago. I grew up in Long Island. I watched him, uh, you know, flourish with the with when he was traded from the Squires to the Nets. And I don't think too many uh, too many NBA uh, fans ever got to see Julius Irving at his greatest. And and you know, you coached him and had him on your Rucker, uh, you know, Rucker League teams, you know, four years running. How would Julius have fared today? Because in my book. He's one of the ten greatest players who ever played the game, at least in my in my lifetime. Maybe I rate him higher than most, but I saw him play year in and year out, and I know that you did. And of anybody anybody out there, you probably have a keen appreciation of what he brought to the game. Well, I mean, objectively, uh, you know, again, the guy the guy was the best man at my wedding, and uh, like you said, we we were together since. Since the day he came out of University of Massachusetts, uh, we played. We played, and, and I coached him in the Rucker, and, and uh, saw him play in the ABA, and you know, starting with the Squires and uh, the Nets. So now, those years, those years, Julius, and again, you know, he had total freedom. And when you have total freedom and you have that talent, that's a lethal combination. So he was unstoppable. Uh, except for a few times, you know, remember St. Louis series against the spirits where they, they beat the Nets 4-0-1 in the first round, knocked them out. Um, and they stopped them, but, but for the most part, unstoppable. And then he goes to, and I wish, I wish everybody had gotten to see him play in the ABA. And I wish a lot of people could have seen him play. Those same people could have watched him play at Rucker. <laughs> you, you, could not believe what he did at Rucker. But um, then he went to the NBA, and, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. You know, again, I told you before that I'm, uh, before we came on the air, I'm, I'm finally trying to write my book, and it's so much, so much material about Julius, you know, how he had to uh, uh, defer to what the coach wanted, first Gene Shue, then Billy Cunningham, you know, that they didn't want him to be Dr. J. They wanted him to fit in. And, and he, you know, on the surface, he accepted it. Below the surface, uh, he was pissed off. His wife was always pissed off. I mean, I was around him. I used to go down there all the time and stay there and stuff. And, uh, there, you know, there was a lot of stuff that held him back. His, 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 uh, and, and then his teammates, you know, he had to defer to George McGinnis and, um, you know, Doug Collins, uh, you know, Lloyd Free, not defer to those guys, but he had to play the game with them and share the ball with them. That was, I guess that's what I was saying. And that was, that was, he did it. He did it without uh, causing a stink, but um, it certainly detracted from, from his uh, overall, you know, uh, excellence. Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's the way you go. I wrote so many so many things. I'm reading. I wrote so many things about that. I was always pissed off at Cunningham. Well, and, I, uh... <laughs> I, I I was pissed off at the Knicks, Peter. I was pissed off at the Knicks for having turned down the opportunity to acquire Julius Irving in exchange for, I guess, yeah. releasing the Nets from any indemnification obligations from express yes. from a, could, yeah. could, how close, how, how real were those talks? Did the, could the Knicks have actually acquired Dr. J and, and said no over money? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that ye- when that happened, I actually was not covering the league and, um, I was, I was, um, uh, exiled 
from the sports department at the Daily News that year because I got into a, a, a big, big confrontation with Dick Young, who was the sports editor. So I was out of the department, and you know, quite honestly, I don't mind admitting it because I, I didn't. How much could I have known? But I did not know about that until years later. I didn't know about it. And um, although, you know, to uh, pat myself on the back, I'm the one that broke the story, not, not, not even being in the department of the Daily News. I was, I was in Queens. I was working in Queens at, at doing high school sports. And um, I broke the story when Julius was sold to the 76ers. And I just, again, I just looked it up the other day. You know, they, the news put it on the front page. So here, here I am with a front page story at the Daily News. I'm not even in the department, but, um, and, and then soon after, you know, I'd say several months after I broke another big story and, uh, the post was bought by Rupert Murdoch. This is uh, 70, 77. And, um, my, my, my buddy from the daily news was made the sports, sports editor. His name's Jerry Lisker. I and he hired me. In yeah. seven in seventy seven, so in November of seventy seven. So anyway, to answer your question, I, I know I only know what I read regarding that. I, I when I first saw it years later, I didn't see it till years later. What? But from from what I can gather, you know, it's they could have had him, like you said, the you know, get rid of the indemnification money. Roy Bow, the owner of the Nets, was you know hurting for money. He owned the Islanders, and then he got caught mingling funds with the two franchises and. And one of his guys, uh, oh, Mike something, um, he went to jail because of it. And um, so, you know, in the end, you know, Bo had to sell. And, you know, Julius was done. Tiny Archibald got, got injured like 34 games into the season. And he was he was uh, angry about stuff, and they traded him. And, you know, and then the franchise had moved to Jersey. Bo yeah. had to sell. Yeah, I remember. Sad, very sad stuff. I remember that brief period of time when Dr. J and Tiny A, that was the, that was the bumper sticker. You know, Dr. J and Tiny A. That was the A. shirt. That the was shirt. the shirt. And, and I wish I had one. <laughs> I wish I had one. That, was, that would have been a classic to have that never happened. The things that never happened are worth more, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl t-shirts that are somewhere in Africa right now with the Atlanta Falcons winning, right? <laughs> Yeah. I, I had um, let me let me say you know sure. along those lines when when the Knicks were in the finals in '94 um, and then lost I was able to confiscate a hat that said you know New York Knicks '94 champs and uh, and I and I kept it for years and years and then some multi-millionaire did me a huge favor um, he let me use use his place for for winter to write. And I didn't know what to give him, and he's a huge Knicks fan. And I gave him the hat. Wow. And you know, because what do you, what can you give a guy that's got everything? You know, right, right. I gave him the hat, and he, he he's now living in Boca, by the way. He's got he just bought a house in Boca, but yeah, he really liked that hat. I, but I wish I had it back. <laughs> yeah, I bet it'd be worth a lot on eBay right now. You know. <laughs> Peter, you, you had I mean, a real knack for nicknaming players. I think that was, you know, just a, we were going back through some of them. They were just incredible. I, I grew up in Chicago, so I have to ask, did you come up with the nickname Air Jordan? You know, I, I, I you know, there's, there's two ways of looking at this. No, I, no, I did not. Uh, it was on a sneaker. 
he was wearing Air Jordans. So when I saw him play at the Garden in the exhibition game before, you know, in his rookie year, um, and I went nuts. The column I wrote on him, I just went nuts. And um, I called him Air Jordan throughout. Mm-hmm. So people give me credit for that, but his agent, his agent David Falk, always said that you know by by using it as much as we did, and I put they put it on the headline and everything, that that really you know pushed the shoe yep. and you know really was became his nickname. But I I can't take credit really because I just stole it. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be some royalty for you, Peter. Uh, imagine. <laughs> Um, well, you know the one royalty I did I did have and I should have had and I didn't do it was uh, Larry Legend. I did name him Larry Legend, and you know if I if I only thought about it, you know, and and did what I had to do, and I, I mean I see it to this day how many shirts and hats and cups and you know everybody's got Larry Legend stuff. Uh, that that would have been a score. Yeah, but <laughs> Not you know that smart. Yeah, you, you you came up with more nickname. One of my favorites, and it's probably going to transition into our next story. Was the sexual harassment hacienda? Uh, that was uh, <laughs> as, 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 as somebody in the New York area at the time. Uh, I mean, I just I just absolutely loved uh, you, you know any any kind of any article that you wrote to denigrate the Knicks or the, or more importantly their management because they, they are like they they are like the worst of the worst. And you've been through several uh iterations of nick ownership you were you were there during the gulf and western era when mike burke was running things and then you know summer Rems, summer redstone and viacom controlled uh you know the nick organization for a brief period of time during their halcyon days in the mid 90s and then of course we come to camp Cablevision. could you compare the different ownerships of the Knicks have any none of them have ever really gotten it right in my in my lifetime, with the exception of that brief period of time in the early '90s uh, when they when they were a top team for a couple of years. Is is it been ownership's fault? Well, what you you weren't alive when they won two championships? Absolutely. The I, I remember I remember being in the nursery and, and on the playground. On a, on a seesaw at three years old. No, and I remember the 73 championship team very well, vividly, vividly. The, my All right, favorite, well, I mean, that, that ownership obviously, you know, they, they obviously did a good job. You know, that was, look, Ned Irish, I was covering with Ned Irish, who, who uh, started the Knicks um, when, he, when he was running the team. And, and to, you know, again, reading my stuff, it, it really, it really angers me that I never interviewed Ned Irish. I can't ever remember speaking to him. Um, I really wonder, like, you know, what the hell was I thinking? Or no, or, or somebody who would have known better would have said to me, you know, you got to go talk to Ned Irish. You know, he's uh, look what he's done. You know, and I know who he was, and I knew his, he was an ex ex sports writer. You know, and he was basketball college basketball he got that into the garden that was his and he then he's got the Knicks I never spoke to the guy but anyway he 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 put that team together and then Sonny Sonny Werblin who I used to call Cloudy Werblin he <laughs> he came in and and uh you know brought in Mike Burke and you know they proceeded proceeded to uh, screw things up for the most part but let's face it I mean that 69 team and the 73 team you know with with uh, Red Holzman as the coach and Eddie Donovan as the general manager. And, uh, you know, they, they put together a hell of a team that, 
that, you know, the trade that everyone will talk about the Knicks. They have to talk about that, you know, the Busher trade that, that made them uh, a championship squad, you know, when they gave up uh, Walt Bellamy and Howie Comox to the Pistons and Dave the Busher. I mean, can you imagine? That's like, that's kind of like, um, you know, Durant leaving, leaving Oklahoma city. He'd been there all along. He's Dave the Busher who was not he's still young, he he was the coach of the Pistons at like twenty five or twenty four, whatever the hell he was, and player coach, and, and they trade him to the Knicks. What? <laughs> Surprised any fan ever went to a game again? You know, well, you know, I mean, Bellamy was a you know a really good center, but what that did, you know, those guys were really sharp back then. Then Holzman turns things around. He had taken over for Dick McGuire as coach, and. Uh, and, and he, you know, he puts Cassie Russell on the bench. He puts uh, Walt Frazier in, into uh, Howie Comives' spot. And now you got Brad. Now you got your starting five. You know, Barnett. You know, the Busher, uh, um What is it? Uh, Frazier. Yeah. Reed. You know, whatever. And uh, and there's the championship team. I mean, the way they put together that team was unbelievable. Yeah, and then they, they and then they switched it around in '73. They you know, brought in Earl Monroe. They bring in Jerry Lucas, and um, so things have never been the same. They were close, like you said, you know. And Dave Checkets had them uh, had them a championship team. You know, he brought in Riley. That was you know a tremendous thing. But uh, there's there's always something. There's always somebody submarining you know something. You know whether it was. You know, Patrick Ewing deciding that, uh, you know, he wanted to be traded because he didn't, his, he didn't want his role reduced and check it's giving into him and then screwing up the franchise for the next 10 years because of the salary cap numbers mm-hmm. and giving Allen Houston that $99 million contract. And, uh, yeah, it was so, I mean, so many things, you know, Van Gundy quitting, you know, in the, during a season, screwing up the team. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm amazed, you know, and I listen, I listen to guys, you know, and I, again, I don't watch that much anymore, but I listen to, you know, Van Gundy over the years, Barkley over the years. They're so, they're so pompous and so arrogant about, you know, the way things should be done. And they never did it that the right way. I mean, Van Gundy quit on the Knicks in the season and destroyed the season. And yep. he has, he has a, the right to talk about anybody doing anything wrong. You know, and Barkley talking about Kevin Durant, you know, being, what did he, what did he say? He was, uh, uh, what was the word he used for? Whiner, it was not, a whiner not, about, about LeBron James. No, no, but about going, no, about going to, uh, no, that was LeBron, but about going, Durant going to the Warriors, he called him something. Coward. He called him a coward. And, and this is the same guy who, demanded a trade from the Suns so he could go play for a championship team, the Houston Rockets, who had just won two titles with Akeem and and uh, Drexler. You know, Drexler came for the second one. And now he joins a team that's got Pippen, Akeem, and Drexler. He did the same thing. And he, he's the one that choreographed that. He pre-demanded a trade. And now he talks about somebody else doing it's amazing, and nobody says anything on that peanut gallery set of theirs. You know, God. yeah, uh, they, they really they no balls. Those guys. 
Speaking of, you know, uh, failures with the Knicks, I mean, this season is almost unprecedented. We've seen, you know, uh, a civil trial. We've seen a player gone missing. We've seen rough play, battles in the media with their GM or president or whatever Phil Jackson's title is. And then obviously um, the incident with Charles Oakley this week. Peter, I'm sure you've you know seen the video, you've heard all about it. I mean, what what is your take mm. on uh, the Oakley incident? Well, it was sickening, actually. I, yeah, I, I saw it almost immediately. I wasn't watching, but people immediately sent sent me uh, uh, stuff on it, and then it got on on Twitter and stuff. And that even the post had something yesterday on Twitter, I saw that from a whole different angle later on when he's on the ground, when Oakley's on the ground and he's saying to them, I didn't do anything, you know, leave, you know, let me get up with you. You know, it, it was, it was pathetic. It was sickening. Um, I, you know, I, I, um, I, I really wonder, you know, what, what they thought was going to happen. You know, it had to be bad. Uh, there's so many angles to this, but you know how he wound up sitting, you know, a few rows in back of back of uh, the owner. How did that happen? You know, was he set up? He said he bought the ticket from who? Well, how how can you buy that ticket, Charles? How, you know, and, and you know where Dolan sits. Uh, Oak, Oak and I, Oak and I are pretty tight, and um, we spoke the end of last year about going to a game together. He said, "Let's go to a game together." I, you know, I haven't been to a garden in a while, and I don't even live live in. The, in you know, I live a hundred miles away from New York now, anyway. So I said, "Charles, they don't like me. I know they don't like you, and we're going to go to a game together." I said, "I, I don't think that's going to wind up well." So you know, I didn't even think about it. But then I see what happens, and uh, you know, and they said that he acted wrong. First of all. Nobody that I I have people around in that area that sent me sent me notes that he said nothing. That's what they told him. Nothing. They heard nothing. So now you read all the stuff that happened beforehand and all that stuff. That's nonsense. All that. Let's just talk about him sitting there and those guards coming up to him. Did he say something to the guards that kept looking at him, staring at him? You know what? I might have done that myself. Like, what? What's the problem? I'm watching the game. Why are you guys looking at me like that? What? What's the problem? So you got a problem there. But he said he's saying things to Dolan. You can't convince me he did because nobody nobody told me he did. So they come up to him, and you're watching this thing, and, and people people wrote, "Oh, he was dead wrong." And Jay Williams, that moron, that moron, said Oakley was absolutely wrong for what he did. Really, Jay? What did he do? Did he, did he ride a motorcycle uh, when he wasn't supposed to? You know, you moron. You know, oh, the guy put his hands, the guy put his hands on Charles. That one guy he put his hands on. What do you think's going to happen? You put your hands on somebody like, like Charles Oakley or anybody who's, who think you know, who's a tough guy. Get your hands off of me. I mean, I'm saying it to myself, get your hands off of him. What are you doing? You know, can you ask him to leave, talk him out of leaving? Don't put your hands on So that's where it started. Don't tell me that Charles was wrong because they put his hand, they put their hands on him and he reacted. Please. Oh, my God. 
Well, they brought seven I, security guards. I, I mean, I mean that 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 in its in itself in itself uh, you know might have appeared as a prelude to some of kind of physical action oh, or some kind of attempt no, to intimidate. Of course, you're, you're ganging up. You're ganging up on him. What do you expect to happen? Send somebody over there to talk to him, and 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 then for them to say afterward, Dolan says he shouldn't have been in the seat. Shouldn't have been in. So, so in other words, the ban had already taken place, and you, you know. So, what do you say? Nobody brought him up on that. Well, what do you mean? He shouldn't have been in the seat. He paid for the seat. I mean, is there a, is there a uh, a uh, poster outside the garden with Charles' name on it? Don't, don't let this guy in. Come on, man. But but it, you know nothing nothing that Dolan or or any of those people that work for him surprises me. I mean, they're a bunch of lowlifes. And uh, I stopped going to the garden when I was covering the team. I was, I'm done with them. You know, they make life miserable. They make it difficult to do your job. And, um, you know, but uh, again, these fans, every, all these fans that, you know, chanting, you know, Oakley and down on Dolan, uh, it's all lip service. It's all, it's all nonsense. They're, they're talking the talk, but they're afraid to walk out. Walk out. Don't pay. Cancel your season tickets. If you really, if you really feel like you want to get rid of the guy, it's the only way you're going to get rid of him. But nobody's going to do that, or maybe two people will do it. So I don't even listen to the fans. Is uh, is, is the NBA in a position to do something about this? I mean, it, 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 the incident no, instead of it, look, but in, instead of letting letting the uh, incident die down, what? Uh, what, what, what Dolan did the next day was escalate things dramatically with accusations that uh, he's got a drug yeah. pro or an alcohol problem, that he needs help, uh, the, the, the anonymous witness statements, the video with captioning. I mean, it's, it, it is so over the top. I think the league should actually step in because this is, this is only going to get worse. You know, Oakley's going to hold a press conference this week, and they could be in a lawsuit. And, and this is an embarrassment for the organization well, to have taken it look. this far. Look, this this is not even close to the embarrassment they were in with, uh, you know, the sexual harassment that, you know, a lawsuit that they lost. Mm -hmm. So it, he didn't back down to that. You know, the league didn't do anything for him for that. You know, sexual harassment at the Garden, you know, I was told, you know, at that time by by somebody, you know, at the top of that Garden was was prevalent. Not just not just the accusation against Isaiah, prevalent, you know, the stuff with Stephon Marbury, isolated instance compared to the whole thing that was going on. So, you know, Dolan Dolan uh, is is uh, uh, the boss of that, and the league did nothing about it, and will do nothing about this either. They might talk to him, but what are they going to do? You know. They, they were able to take away Scott, you know, they, Donald Sterling's team from him because he got caught on tape saying something, you know, untoward, uh, racial. But, um, you know, they, believe me, they're not going to do anything. Have you ever sat down and spoken with James Dolan? Do you have any personal, uh, you know, experiences with him that you can share with us? Uh, you know, no, <laughs> no, I, I talked to him once um, and I've, I've written this. So I don't mind bringing it up again. Is that uh, Isaiah Isaiah Thomas when he was uh, president of the team? He uh, he wanted me to be his general manager. And, what uh, really? To, wow. Yeah, and I spoke to Steve Mills. We spoke on the phone about it. 
you know, do I really want to do it? You know, what would, what would I do? Blah, blah, blah. We spoke nah, not all that long, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And, uh, so they set up a meeting with me and Dolan, uh, during the, uh, the all-star game in LA. Um, I don't, I don't even remember what year if I look it up, but, um, we we're going to meet in a, ho- in a hotel where they were staying. And we just happened to walk in at the same time, Mills, Dolan, myself. And he said to me, uh, he said, why, why do you write the stuff you write about me? I said, you don't, you don't, you know, we don't, <laughs> we're not even introduced basically because the meeting didn't start. We're just walking in. And he goes, uh, why do you write those things about, why do you write that? You don't know me. And I said, well, you don't know me either. I said, that's what we're supposed to be going to be doing. We're going to get to know each other and stuff. And, uh, and he, he, you know, he was muttering and stuff. And I said, forget it. And I just walked. I called Isaiah. I said, forget it. That's the extent of my, which, you know what? I can say it. I don't care. We all do, you know, immodesty. Uh, I, I could have saved them a lot of, a lot of, uh, bad deals you know isaiah isaiah used to count on me a lot in the studio when we worked together at nbc um i would tell him this you can't say that you know why don't you say this i helped him a lot and um so we had a you know we had a pretty good relationship but then he comes in and just does this he does that and um i could have could have saved them i could i could have really helped the help the knicks really help them but yeah, it's, it seems to me that you know Dolan treats a lot of the former players this way. I mean, is that is that a true statement, or do you think this is just? A I don't know thing? that. No, it's, so it's more of an no, Oakley I don't, thing. I don't. I do not know that to be true. Uh, Oakley, Oakley and him have a thing. Um, I really don't even know if it started out being personal between the two of them. Um, I don't think this has ever been written, but but uh, you know the. the they hold they hold it against the Oakley because um, at least twice he asked for uh, on the floor tickets, uh, like four one time I was told, and uh, I don't know how many the next time. And um, after getting the four one the first time, he didn't show up. So they were furious about that. You know, four on the floor. And then, and then, it, and then it happened again. And, and you know, he swore that you know, you know, he'd show up. And they, you know, look, this can't, you know, screw this. The last time this can't happen again. It happened again. That to me, I don't know if that's the whole whole reason. You know, what what where it all started, but that's that definitely happened. And um, so then they just like cut him off. And then, I don't know. I think there were some other things where he was supposed to show up and work for the team. And go places for the team and didn't show up. So that I'm not positive happened, but that's what I was told by somebody who was involved with it. And they weren't sticking up for Dolan. They were just telling me, you know, this is this Oak does. And um, you know, if you want to, if you want to work for these teams and do community work, you gotta show up. Gotta show. Yeah, I mean Larry Larry Johnson, uh, you know, is an example of someone who does a lot of community work for the Knicks, and you know, act, and, and now is placed in the middle of a of a of a situation where he wants to be loyal to the team, but also be loyal to to Oakley. But um, you know, I, I just think the situation. Well, there's a guy. All right, yeah. Dan, let me stop you. So there, there's a guy they have working for them, 
Larry Johnson, who uh, when you when you get off the phone when you when we get off the phone here, you look look it up the Sports Illustrated story on Larry Johnson back in the day, front front of Sports Illustrated. You know, where he was, uh, he got how many women pregnant, was very aggressive with women. Had had somebody, had who was, who was the player that played with him in Vegas to play in the NBA? Um, I forget Greg his name. Anthony? Not, 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 no, not Anthony, okay. the, the third one that played play in the NBA. Had her go to the woman threatener uh, to get an abortion and all that. This is who they have working for the Knicks. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Another low life. Perfect. Fits right in. So please don't make me feel sorry for Larry Johnson. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got an incident in the book about me and him. I'm not going to tell it to you here. But it's, like, it's a classic. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's a good teaser for the book. Um, oh, man. It's a, it's a classic. Speaking of stories, I you know, Oakley and you said your your buddies with him. You know he's kind of notorious for having some wild stories. Do you have a favorite Charles Oakley story for us? <laughs> I uh, I have a lot of stories that he and I for my book he he, he gave me many stories, and I don't even know I don't even know I can if I can use them in my book. Maybe this maybe this is a reason why I have to use them. But it has always has to do with you know fights. I mean, he he would he would fight people. People wronged him. He would he would get in their face and uh, slap their face. Or so I'm not going to tell you too much, but I will tell you because Dan knows my son. <laughs> I hope I hope Joseph doesn't get mad at me for telling this, but uh, I had set Joseph up with Oakley uh, for. Uh, some event in Florida, and I can't remember what it was, whether it was a comedy thing or a music thing. And Joseph was supposed to meet him somewhere, and he had the tickets. And uh, by the time he got to Joseph, uh, Joseph couldn't get – there was no way Joseph could, could get there in time. Uh, so by the time he did get there, Oakley was furious. And that went off on my son. <laughs> <laughs> he had the life out of my no he didn't touch him but you no. know it was like you don't you don't need to be touched by no, Charles yeah, and scared. I agree. You know, so he wasn't gonna hit him but he was mad you know but it was his fault he didn't tell him when to show up and then by the time Joseph had like an hour to travel to meet him anyway it was it was like oh my god you know and Oak and, Oak and I never spoke about that <laughs> I was gonna pin him up against the wall, but I figured I'd better. Know, oh. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joseph still says, "Whoa, that Oakley." <laughs> He's not an Oakley fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you remember? I mean, did you witness the incident where he uh, where he slapped Tyrone Hill in the face? Was that a, a no? Was I, that didn't, I didn't witness it. Yeah, I, I mean, didn't witness it. Is there, I mean, that's no, kind I of mean, an look, urban legend. Yeah. That's urban legend about. Oh Oakley. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's a huge story behind it and stuff like that. But, you know, it was a gambling thing. It was kind of like the uh, the uh, Crittenden, Crittenden story with uh, Arenas, you know, a gambling thing. Well, some, you know, Oak, Oak had lent the money during, during, I believe it was a dice game or a card game or something. And then and Tyrone didn't pay him back. Well, what the hell? Talking about a lot of money here. 
uh, not chump change. So, um, yeah, and Tyrone and I were pretty tight, and I, I don't know when I printed that story. I broke that story, and uh, Tyrone came to me. He said, what, what are you doing? Why, why, why would you do that? I thought we were boys, you know. I said, Tyrone, I don't have any boys. I said, you did it. You know, it's going, and I found out about it. I'm printing it, you know. So <laughs> he never spoke to me again, I don't believe. But, uh, and then, and then, uh, yeah, so that, that actually went on and on for a while, even after him slapping him. But uh, Charles, hey, Charles, tough guy. <laughs> but, you know, they, they've got some great stories about him, you know, him and Mason fighting at practice, you know, just going toe-to-toe, and, uh, you know, at times, nobody's going to break it up. Hey, let's just see what happens. You know, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Who's going to step in on that? <laughs> <laughs> A couple of big guys there. Oh, man. Yeah. And, then, and then I think Oakley, Oakley got into it with, uh, oh, man. Sorry, I'm going to miss a name here. I can't come up with it. But anyway, he's, yeah, look, nobody's surprised. That Oakley, that Oakley has had fights in his day. That's that's he, he's a man's man. Man, he didn't he doesn't like they asked me on this Detroit station the other day that I mentioned to you about why. Well, how come you hate Bale Lambeer but you you like Oakley? I said because Oakley would come at you from the front. Lambeer <laughs> would come from you from the back. He's the dirtiest player I've ever ever seen in my life. And so you know they had to have me explain that and all that. But you know. You see all the stuff with Oakley. He doesn't, you know, the time. Oh God! I mean, how can I not like Charles uh, Charles Oakley? I mean, he's one of my favorite guys in this world. He slapped the shit out of Charles Barkley at, at a union meeting. Slapped him in the face because Charles mouthed off. You know, like unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I'll always be on his side. Yeah. Why? Why do you think? Um, you know, I th- when I th- when I think to why this like struck a chord with New Yorkers, um, you know, it could have been another Nick, it could have been Starks, it could have been any number of Nicks, and it wouldn't um, evoke, it wouldn't have evoked this kind of a reaction. And I don't know. I think part of the part of the reason for the response is we never really got a chance to celebrate Oakley's career with the Knicks. You know, he was here for ten years. Did you know a lot of great years. And then he was just traded for Camby, and he never had his, his jersey retired, never was honored. He was just gone. And this almost yeah. became a, a way to celebrate his, his career as a Nick all over again and show him the respect and the send-off that we never had a chance to give him. Well, you're, you're so much of a loyalist, and uh, you know, you've got some emotion there that I'm sure these other fans didn't even think of any of that. You know, they just see Charles Oakley. They know they know what kind of player he was. They know he was a stand-up guy. Uh-huh. That's why they reacted. And then they saw him ganged up on at the Garden during the game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just so it's just so wrong. It's uh, it, it's unbelievable. But um, all the stuff you said is true. Um, you know, one of the great trades in, in uh, you know in Nick's history was Oakley for Cartwright. Jordan didn't like it. You know, he loves Oakley to this day. And, um, but it turned out great for both teams. You know, the yeah, Bulls couldn't have won a championship without Carr, right? And, uh, and, and it was got, the and, piece that they, it was also the swap of draft picks. It was an 11 for a 19, and that 11 became, I think, Horace Grant. Is wow. That... 
I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, there's a swap of yeah. draft picks. The Knicks had the 11th pick, and the Bulls had the 19th. They they swapped picks. The Knicks end up taking, I think, Rod Strickland with the 19th pick, and the Bulls were drafting Horace Grant. So it was almost like a two for one. It did certainly work out wonderfully for the you know for the Bulls because they ended up with two starters out of the deal. But then again, so did the Knicks. I mean, look, if that's if that was the trade, nobody nobody suffered on that one. The the, the problem yeah. was is when uh, they traded Strickland for Cheeks. You know, oh, that God. was don't I, remind me. Rod Rod is another guy I stay in touch with. I love Rod Strickland, and um, because he's another stand-up guy, you can't you could I, I could write stuff about Rod Strickland that was absolute truth, and he would accept it, even though it was very tough. I mean, I used to call him, my nickname for him was Rod Strick Nine, and. Uh, uh-huh. You know, to this day, to this day, you know, we send messages back and forth. We laugh about it. He's got a son who's a junior in, in high school now who's very, very good. His name is Ty, I believe. And um, so I love Rod, but I, I hated to see that trade. And, um, again, I remember writing at the time that uh, trading for an old guy like Cheeks, you know, was, was just ridiculous. And, and, and Cheeks got them a win, helped them get a win against the Celtics in the opening round and then ended up retiring. He didn't want to be in New York. And um, and then Strickland had a, you know, really a great career. It was one of the most underrated careers. You'd never never hear about it, but you look at his, his statistics, they were phenomenal. And, um, and um, you know, unfortunately, he, he had a drinking problem. He's had a drinking problem, you know, a lot in his life, even, even when he was the assistant coach of Kentucky. Um, but... Um, you know, he seems to re- really be doing well. And, you know, unlike unlike uh, James Dolan, who seems to have missed a couple steps in his 12-step program, um, you know, Rod, <laughs> Rod, Rod's doing well. But, uh, you know, I'm being facetious about Dolan. You know, Dolan, Dolan has the nerve to talk about Oakley possibly having a problem when he has had a problem, which he admits to, of course, how could he not? But I'm I'm just waiting I'm waiting for Dolan to come clean about the rest of his problem. He never he never has, and uh, we know there's way more to it than that. So, you know, to me, guys that hide behind alcohol problems, you know, admitted alcohol problems when they have other problems, um, they're phonies. They're total hypocrites. And, and yeah. Charles Dolan is that. Mm-hmm. Will we ever see the day in our lifetime when he finally sells? Will, will we have, will this ever happen? I think we've been uh, hoping for many years, and it just seems as long as he's involved in the operation, things will continually go sideways. Yeah, um, I don't. Again, I don't see it happening. As I said before, the only way it's going to happen is people boycott and uh, and stop buying tickets. To me, that's the only way. And you know, as rich as he is, he might he might be willing to play. You know, have his team play in front of half a garden. Um, he's, he's, he's a very, very stubborn little man, but, um, no, I don't, I don't see it happening. <laughs> Not in my lifetime. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Peter, tell us a little bit more about the book. You have a, a release date or are you still writing or what's no, how's that no, going? No, 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 I'm, I'm, um, I'm really, I stopped for quite a while. I just was not motivated, but the last few weeks I've gotten back to writing. No, there's no release date. Do you have a, do you have a title? Do you have a working title? Uh, I'd rather not. Okay. I do, but I'd rather not. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Trademark it. 
<laughs> no, it, it 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 changes. It changes, but I think I have one now. I'm going to go with. But um, look, I'm a long way from doing it. I'm telling you, I'm like, it's it's writing is not one of my favorite things. So for me to really force myself to get in and tell these stories, it's much easier for me to tell you on the air. But um, you know, I, I'm trying to carve out. Like I work from like three three uh, from eleven at night to three in the morning now every every day. See how that goes. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very tough to find time to write and to motivate uh, yourself to write it, even if it takes you a couple of years. You have so many stories to tell, and uh, in your in in the last year when you were writing uh, your column for the Post, I particularly enjoyed your sort of like love letters to like you know the, the great New York basketball of you know the fifties, sixties, seventies, and you have so many wonderful stories to tell, and you're the only one really who can who can put those out there who experienced all those different eras of, 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 of basketball in New York City. So I really hope it does come to fruition uh, because we need, we need those kinds of uh, remembrances and great inside stories of, of so many of the great yeah. players and eras in New York City. I don't history. know. So you know, Dan, Dan, I appreciate that. I don't, that was one of my favorite things that, that I did do, you know, those type of pieces, you know, where, you know, I would go out, for instance, out to uh, California and uh, spent some time with Bill Sharman and wound up doing, you know, a large piece on him. And and we became such good friends uh, until his death. I'm still in touch with his wife. But um, those type of things, you know, I love doing them. Um, One of the reasons I quit the post, uh, retired, was that the editor, uh, uh, Chris Shaw, um, the, the breaking point, the breaking point. There were a lot of a lot of things, disrespectful things. But the breaking point was, I had been invited out to Los Angeles by the Sharmans for the reunion of the '72 team that had won a championship and still holds the record for 33 wins in a row. And and there was a meeting uh, reunion out in uh, out in um, L.A. at the Marriott uh, downtown on the beach. And I was the only writer that that they invited to sit with the team at the dinner beforehand. And then they had a large thousand people upstairs and they introduced the players. They showed a video. They showed a a documentary that uh, the Sharmans had put together. And so I was at a table uh, with uh, Jerry West and his wife, uh, Will Chamberlain's sister and her husband, who was a globe trotter um, with Wilt and has since died. Um, Flynn Robinson and his wife, Flynn Robinson has since died. And Leroy Ellis and his wife, and Leroy Ellis has since died. Um, so the only males left from that table are me and Jerry West, and he just had a, an incident to put him in the hospital. So I had, I had known uh, Leroy Ellis uh, since he was in high school. I knew of him. Played at Thomas Jefferson in, in Brooklyn. Uh, played with you know Tony Jackson, um, a friend of mine that played at Hofstra with me, Jimmy Boatwright. And and when he went to St. John's as a freshman, they had a freshman team. There was no varsity for freshmen then, and he played on a team that had two guys that, that had a guy from my high school, Archbishop Malloy, named Willie Hall, who played for Conesecca. And then kind of second, and Willie Hall went to St. John's together. 
and this was their freshman team. And I used to follow the freshman team around as much as I could and watch their games. I mean, who does this? You know, it's like I was so into that team. And and at the table at night, I tell Leroy Ellis this. And I know he's dying. Everyone knew he was really sick. He had cancer. And uh, I told him the story. And he was so happy that he said, you know, you didn't, you didn't really do that. I said, I really did, Leroy. I really did. I, I followed you guys around. And uh, so I know, I, I know a lot about you. And uh, I said, I'm going to, he lived in Portland. I said, I'd love to come, you know, and, and do something with you. And then he dies. And uh, so I wanted to do, you know, a, a large column on him. And Chris Shaw said, you know, you can give me about 13 inches. That's about, that's it. And I, I quit that day. I said, that's it. I'm done. You know, my contract's up at the end of the year. I'm done. So this guy, he just didn't get it. You know, he, he had the, I mean, so stupid, that, you know, so many people in New York City would have loved to have read a long column on Leroy. And I wound up doing, you know, 15 inches just because I felt I owed it to, to him, to his, to his memory and stuff. And, and I wound up calling, uh, I called, you know, Mrs. Sharman, Joyce Sharman, and I called Will's sister, and I said, you know, I'm, I, I quit today. I'm done. And that's why. Wow. <laughs> so that was, that, was, that was one reason. That was the breaking point. But, yeah. oh, my God. I'm sure you'll have a this few more stories in the book for us about that one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a long story. So that's the problem, you know, like how, how many stories can I do about why I quit? <laughs> that's, that's that's a book in itself right right but it all comes back it all comes back to chris shaw oh my god and yeah. uh, the great sports editor of the post oh well, um anyway that's there's the story well we that want to end on yeah we we, we miss <laughs> hoops du jour i miss reading you three times a week and I'm like glad that we can connect again and 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 just talk about uh, you know Oakley and and just just your your career in 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 the NBA and and with the Post. Uh, I really hope that this book comes to fruition because these are important stories that do need to be told uh, about the history of the game. And and there's nobody better than you to tell these stories. So I, I hope you dig in at some point. And um, no, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying now. I'm trying. If I don't do it this time. Uh... You know, I don't, I don't know if it'll ever get done, but uh, I'm on a roll right now, so hopefully it'll happen. All right. Well, you know, we really appreciate you uh, gracing our podcast with your presence and telling us about all these, you know, um, all these wonderful times covering the NBA and learning more about about your career. It's really been, uh, really been a pleasure. I mean, we don't know. Uh, what's going to end up happening with the Oakley uh, Dolan uh, debacle? Uh, but I really just wanted an excuse to get you to come on to to talk to you, and um, I, I'm glad we had that opportunity. And uh, I promise to well, stay thanks, in touch. Thanks for having me. I no, thanks for having me, Dan and Dan. And and you know what you can do? You can you can help me write the book by just giving me a transcript of that whole Leroy Ellis story. Okay. We, okay. Able, we will type to, that out and send it to you. There you're you on. Are you able to do that? Are you able to do that online? Uh, we'll have somebody. Uh, we, we have a huge production staff. We'll find somebody that can type. Up <laughs> that. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll bet you do. Right. Yeah, we're on a shoestring budget, but the Leroy Ellis story was short enough. I think even I could type that up. You know, it was. Yeah, a, I mean, you know, 
it, it's my 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 uh, my guy Jerry Liska used to tell me because he knew I struggled when I sat down at that computer. He just tell the story, talk the story, and then play it back to yourself. But I never took it. I never I never did that. Well, maybe maybe you should hire or work with somebody who you could tell the stories to, and then they could, uh, you know, kind of write up the the skill, the the basis of the conversation, yeah. and then you could massage that. Because it sounds yeah, like true. you get rolling, I mean, you you get rolling once you start telling the story. Right. No, it's exactly right, and uh, it's so much easier to talk it than to okay, now this word, that word, what you know, groping yeah. for words and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it would help me to do that. The Leroy Ellis story is a, is, is is important, and uh, um, but there's so much more to the, you know that one. Like again, that's the last. That was the breaking point. Oof. So you knew there had to be some big stuff before that. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine all the amazing stories you have. And uh, I, I know that you'll sell at least two copies to these, Dan, uh, once once you do get it done. So. Thank well, you. Make sure, make sure if I do that you look up the Larry Johnson story first. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, thanks again so all much right. for joining us. It was, it was amazing all to right, talk to you. And uh, All right. have a great rest of your Sunday. Yeah, and give my All best right, to I'll Joseph. See. Give my best to Joseph, I Peter. See. I will. I will reach out to him, and I, I will hopefully will hopefully stay in touch this time. All right, I'll tell Oak you said hello. Yeah, please, <laughs> please, thank do, you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. All right, thank Bye. you, Peter. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye.